So Father, we pray that you would open your word to us. You give us um, ears to hear and hearts to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The image of God as a shepherd would be a familiar one to uh, Jesus and to the followers of Jesus and the other people in his day. Uh, The image of God as a shepherd is one that appears throughout uh, the Old Testament, the history of the Jews, the the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, Time and again, God declares himself to be a a shepherd who uh, guards and protects and cares for his people as a a shepherd looks after um, his sheep. And time and again, the the prophets, the writers of the Old Testament scriptures say, God, you are our our shepherd in, in prayer and in song. And Jesus takes this image of God as a shepherd, and he takes it a step further. Uh, We didn't read it this morning, but if you look just a few verses earlier on in John chapter 10, uh, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And these will be familiar words to uh, many of us, particularly if you've been in church for any amount of time. It's one of the most well-known sayings of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. It's among a number of uh, I am sayings that Jesus makes and are recorded for us in John's Gospel. I am the bread of life, he said. I'm the light of the world, and that's why we give uh, candles in our baptism service. I'm the gate, Jesus said. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I am the good shepherd. And in each of these statements, Jesus is making an extravagant, extraordinary claim. He's telling us something about himself and something about what he uh, came to do. And in in a way, we can be shielded from this by being uh, too familiar with these words, these comforting, encouraging words of Jesus. When Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, he's saying, if you're hungry... I'm what you need. When Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he says, I'm the one who can bring hope and joy and peace into this dark world. When Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life, Jesus says, I'm the one who offers a new life, a new chance, a new start. When Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life, he says, no one can come to the Father except by me. When Jesus says, I'm the true vine, he says, life can only be found in being one of my branches, in being uh, connected to me, grafted into me. And when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, the word good there doesn't mean good in terms of, I am the A-star shepherd, I am the super deluxe shepherd, I'm the best shepherd of all shepherds. Good there means I am the model shepherd. I'm the template of what a shepherd looks like. I am the perfect archetypal shepherd. You've heard about God of the Old Testament. You've heard about God's shepherding love. I am the perfect embodiment of that love. I am the heavenly shepherd dwelling on earth. In our reading, we hear Jesus saying, I and the Father 
are one. I am the perfect representation of the Father. I'm the embodiment of divine life. I am God incarnate. I am the good shepherd, the perfect shepherd, the model shepherd. What does the good shepherd do? There's four things I want to uh, draw our attention to this morning. And each speak to the, the character and the role of Jesus, who he claimed to be and what he claimed to do. A good shepherd provides, that's the first one. The good shepherd provides. Uh, the landscape of Judea hasn't changed much over the last uh, 2,000 years. It's pretty similar today as it, as it was in Jesus' day. It's a dry, arid land, although there's, there's mountains and there's, there's lakes, and there's patches of good meadow and green grass. And the first thing a shepherd would do in the morning, he would get up, he would gather together the flock, he would let them out of the fold, and then he would lead them. And he would take them to good pasture. He would take them to grazing land. Sheep follow their shepherd. Uh, The flocks follow after him, and uh, lone sheep do not last long on their own. The sheep were a shepherd's wealth. They were were, um, uh, looked after not for their wool, not for their meat, sorry, they were too precious for that, but for their wool. Their wool was valuable. They would live a, a long time with the shepherd, and he would care for them and look after them. They were his wealth. Had no money in a bank account, had no savings stashed away. His, his flock were his fortune, and so he would take good care of them. He would lead them to green pasture. He would take them to fresh water. He knew where the streams were, were, were shallow enough for the, the sheep to drink, where the water was fresh. When the day got hotter, he would lead them to shade. When storms were brewing, he would take them to shelter. Throughout uh, Israel's history, many of our leaders were shepherds. Abraham owned many flocks of sheep. Uh, Moses was a shepherd in his kind of in-between years, uh, growing up in the palace and then before he was Israel's leader. Greatest shepherd of all was King David. And before he was a king, he was a shepherd boy. And he wrote probably most well-known psalm in the Bible, The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm uh, 23. The Lord is my shepherd, and the second verse, many of you will be able to uh, quote it back. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not be in want. Why? Because a shepherd provides for his sheep. And the good shepherd, the perfect shepherd, provides uh, perfectly. Jesus said, why do you worry about what you eat or what you drink or what you will wear? You can't add a single hour to your life by worrying about these things. Don't you know that your heavenly Father needs them? Verse 28 of our reading, we read of the greatest provision that the good shepherd can give. The greatest way he can uh, fulfill uh, the needs of his sheep. I give them, his flock, eternal life. The greatest sustenance, the greatest uh, provision. A life that will not die. A life that begins in this life and uh, stretches on into eternity. A life that often uh, in the Bible is described as a rest. 
And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The shepherd leads his sheep to green pasture. And what did David write? He makes me lie down. He makes me rest in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. It's a picture of God's gracious uh, provision. It's a picture of eternal life. Uh, his provision and his blessing and the safety that he has for his people. Why do you worry about lesser things? The Lord knows what you need and has provided for you in Christ. The good shepherd provides and the good shepherd uh, leads. Sheep follow uh, the shepherd. In the Middle East, the shepherd walks in front of the the flocks and the sheep uh, follow on behind. Um, You would smell a shepherd before you saw a shepherd. They lived in close contact uh, with the sheep. They were with them all through the day. Uh, Through the night, they slept in the sheep pen. They would uh, guard them. Jesus, again, our reading says, My sheep listen to my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And the sheep would follow the voice of their master. They would uh, follow their shepherd. The shepherd leads, the shepherd guides, the shepherd uh, directs. And Jesus invited people to follow him. And baptism is about answering the call uh, to follow. And uh, our parents this morning have said, this is a call that we have heard, and this is a call we want our children to hear, and we want them to follow. We want them to walk with Christ. We want them to follow Christ. We want them to live in the way of Christ. And Jesus, as a shepherd, invites people to follow him. Time again in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Jesus says, come and follow me. Come on a journey. Come on an adventure. Come with me. I will lead you to a new place. I will take you in a new direction. I have a new future for you. Come and follow The good shepherd leads. And sometimes he leads us through difficult terrain. And when he does that, he protects us. A good shepherd protects. He provides, he leads, and he protects. Sheep are skittish and vulnerable. Sheep are slow. Sheep have the worst camouflage you could ever imagine. A nice, bright, white, woolly coat. Sheep have lots of natural predators. uh, Wolves, bears, jackals, eagles. Sheep have no armour, they have no defences. They clump together in flocks, but not close enough that they offer one another any protection. A lone sheep does not last very long. And so if you own sheep, you employ a shepherd to guard them and protect them. Again, uh, David, the shepherd boy, writes of his uh, heavenly father, uh, the shepherd, the heavenly shepherd. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't know what that's like, but it doesn't sound very nice. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
staff was like a big uh, walking stick. Uh, The rod was like a, a cudgel or a club. Shepherds were hard men. They lived out on the hills. They protected their flocks. They uh, drove off uh, wild animals. They drove away their natural uh, predators. But they also drove off those, uh, those robbers and thieves who would come to steal and kill and destroy. Uh, sheep robbing was a thing that happened. Bandits would come down from the hills, they would uh, spy sheep, they would uh, catch it, they would quickly slit its throat, they would kill it, and then they would uh, carry it off. And the shepherd uh, would defend the sheep. In our reading, Jesus says, I will not lose any my Father has given me. All those who have entrusted themselves to me, I will keep safe. I will protect, I will watch over. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. In uh, the letter to the church in Rome, Paul writes, Nothing shall ever separate us from the love of God. Not disease, not famine, not nakedness, not hardship, not persecution, not suffering. No valley of the shadow of death will ever separate us from the love of God. No, even in the midst of all of these things, we are more than conquerors, for Christ is with us. Jesus is the good shepherd. His hold is secure. His his eye is attentive. He has his eyes upon the sheep. He promises to walk with them even in the darkest times, even in the hardest places. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, says the good shepherd. He provides. He leads. He protects. And finally, he rescues. Sheep get lost. It's a simple fact of life. Uh, They wander off. They fall down ravines. They go off the pathway. They get separated from the flock. They get lost. And why did Jesus say that he came? What did Jesus give as his mission? Why did he uh, consent to be born on this earth, to die upon a cross, to rise again? He told us. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve. I came to seek and to save those who are lost. He's talking about the rescue that the shepherd enacts. And in Luke chapter 15, there's a wonderful story that Jesus tells about a shepherd who um, has a hundred sheep. And he notices one day that one of them has has lost. He knows them so well, he can look out and see all, all 99 and know that one is missing. And he goes off to search for it and he he finally finds it and he throws it over his shoulders and he, he carries it back and he restores it to its rightful place. It's a picture of what Jesus came to do. It's a picture of uh, Jesus bringing people into their rightful place. A close relationship with their heavenly father. This is how uh, the Bible describes becoming a Christian. What was once being lost being found. What was once dead, 
being brought to life. What was once in a kingdom of darkness entering into a kingdom of light. That's the language of our baptism liturgy that we've used this morning. That's the language of the New Testament, the language of the church. Being restored, being made whole, being saved, being rescued. And that's what Jesus does through the cross and the resurrection. The cross declares the depth of the shepherd's love. A love that goes even to death. And the resurrection declares the power of the shepherd's love. Not even death can defeat him. Shepherds cared for their sheep. They led their sheep. They provided their sheep. They protected their sheep. But they wouldn't die for their sheep. That was was ridiculous. No shepherd would die for his sheep. And yet Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the perfect shepherd. I'm the embodiment of the heavenly shepherd. And I lay down my life for my sheep. Why? Because he sees a value in the sheep that nobody else can see. Uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote the uh, original Sherlock Holmes stories. And he was once asked to list his top, uh, top ten stories that he wrote, his favourite ones. And in that top ten, one of those uh, was the adventure of the Musgrave Ritual. And it's one of the shortest stories. It's one of the first ones that he wrote, and it's one that's not that uh, widely uh, known. I won't spoil all of it for you this morning, but I'll spoil a little bit of it for you this morning. The Musgrave ritual tells the story of uh, Sir Reginald Musgrave, a member of the aristocracy. And he comes to uh, Baker Street and he sits in home study and he tells him of his uh, problem. And the problem is this. Um, his butler has disappeared and his maid has gone mad. And this all happened after they found uh, an unusual poem in his library, which they read together. And so the mystery that Holmes has to solve is, uh, where's the butler gone? What's behind this poem? Why has the maid uh, gone mad? To find out what happens, you have to read uh, the story. But a part of the story, the kind of great uh, reveal at the end, we discover that the poem is is more than a poem. It's actually a kind of uh, verbal treasure map. And it leads to where there is a, a secret treasure hidden on Musgrove's estate. And Holmes deciphers the poem. And they follow where it leads. And they they finally come to uh, the lake. And uh, Reginald orders his lake to be dredged. And they discover uh, a rotten bag. And inside the bag is the treasure. And excitedly, they rip open the bag. And there, to their immense disappointment, there is some rusted metal... There's a few bits of coloured glass and there's some uh, uh, rough stones. And they're deeply disappointed. Holmes has been wrong. They have been misled. But of course, Sherlock Holmes wouldn't be Sherlock Holmes if he could see, uh, couldn't see what others cannot see. And uh, he declares what in fact it is that they have found. The rusty metal is in fact gold. 
Uh, the colored glass are diamonds. The rough stones are valuable jewels. Uh, together they have found the lost crown of King Charles I, hidden on Musgrove's estate, kept uh, for his heir after he was uh, arrested, and uh, now revealed uh, not quite in its glory. Holmes can see what nobody else can see. He can see the value of the treasure that lies within the lake, that to everybody else just looks like rubbish. So it is with the good shepherd. He sees what no one else can see. He can see the value of all those who are made in the image of his heavenly Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever trusts in him would not perish but have eternal life. The cross reveals the depth of God's love and the resurrection reveals the power of his love. So what does this mean for us this morning? I think two things, really. One, it's an encouragement for us to consider afresh the claims of Christ. When Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd, he's not just saying nice, fluffy words to uh, comfort Christians and make us feel secure. He's making an audacious, outrageous claim. He's saying eternal life is within my gift to give, and I offer it freely. He's saying I'm the one who will keep you safe, who will keep you secure. He's saying follow me and you will find life. All of their great religious traditions look back to their founders and the teachings of their founders. And all of their founders, Buddha, Muhammad, the Hindu uh, sages, all say, here is my teaching. Follow my teaching and you will live. Jesus says, follow me and I will give you eternal life. This claim was so audacious that if you read on in John uh, uh, chapter 10, verse 33, it says that they tried to kill Jesus. They said, this is blasphemy. You're making yourself God. And they, uh, they set about uh, to kill him. And the encouragement for those of us who uh, seek to uh, live a life worthy of Christ and know him as our, our Lord, uh, the encouragement is simple. Stay close to the shepherd. A man called H.V. Morton wrote a book, The Steps of the Master, in which he uh, writes about the lives of the shepherds in Judea. And in his book, he writes this. Something that he saw one day. On the hills behind Jericho, no sooner had the shepherds spoken than an answering bleat shivered over the herd, and one or two of the animals turned their heads in his direction. But they did not obey him. The herd gave a kind of laughing whinny. Immediately a goat with a bell round his neck stopped eating and leaving the herd trotted down the hill, across the valley and up the opposite slopes. The man accompanied by this animal walked on and disappeared around a ledge of rock. Very soon a panic spread among the sheep. They forgot to eat. They looked up for their shepherd And he was nowhere to be seen. They became conscious of that leader with the bell at his neck was no longer with them. From the distance came the strange laughing call of the shepherd. 
And at the sound of it, the entire herd stampeded into the hollow and leapt up the hill after him. Stay close to the shepherd. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and his great um, example. We confess that he is the good shepherd and he calls us to follow him. And Lord, we pray you'd help us to uh, be faithful in that. Lord, if any of us have wandered astray, draw us back to yourself. uh, Reveal yourself afresh to us. And for those of us just uh, starting uh, the journey of faith, give us the strength and the courage to consider the claims of Christ afresh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.